Hello, and thank you for joining When the Picture Isn't Perfect podcast. Life never is perfect, but it can be beautiful in every situation. God can take our challenges and turn them into a beautiful picture. So, when our picture isn't perfect, let's focus on the one who is. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Megan. Our lives are not perfect. Things go wrong, bad things happen. But, with God's help, we are making our masterpieces. Hey guys, welcome to the next episode of When the Picture is Imperfect podcast. Today we have three special guests joining us. We have Lydia Rebelski, um, we have Courtney Ruiz, we have Lindsay Norrod, and I think I have to do a special shout out to Little Piper because <laughs> she's with us too. Thank you guys for joining us. Um, I think it would be good if y'all could just introduce yourselves real quick. Lydia, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I can go first. Um, well, I am Lydia, and I live in Pulaski, Tennessee, worship with the Fairview Church of Christ here. Um, I'm 24 years old and currently in a season of singleness and just living fully right here where God has me right now. I love it. And you are quite the sh- shining quite the light, honestly. Um, you have your own business. Do you want us to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So I have a business called Mirror Truths, um, which is just a line of sweatshirts and t-shirts that all have reflected words from God's word, um, just to remind women of what God says is true about them. So kind of replacing the mirror's narrative with what God says is true. So it's been a really fun project to work on. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see what's in store for the future. Yeah, that is so cool. And that's, I just think that's the coolest little little like idea and um i think your products are really good so thank you miss courtney would you like to introduce yourself yes um my name is courtney ruiz i'm the old woman of the bunch (laughs) Um, i live in Sevierville, tennessee my husband preaches for the Sevierville church of christ um and i have five kids Lindsay is uh Lindsay's one of them (laughs) and uh, um so we have um, four adult kids, and then we just recently adopted our little six-year-old. So I am uh, now, once again, a stay-at-home homeschooling mom uh, for my second homeschooling adventure. So I'm, I'm kind of living the, the, the life <laughs> that you guys have, um, even though I'm older. It's my second go-around, but I'm very thankful. Well, this time, like, you know all the tricks and stuff, right? Like... But every child is different. So it's really like you never quite get the exact hang of it, but it does get easier with practice. This is true. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today, too. Lindsay, tell us about yourself. So my name is Lindsay Norod. Um, Fletcher is my husband. We've been married for about four years this December, and we live in Seymour, Tennessee, which is right near Sevierville, so we live close to my mom and dad, Um, and we have one little girl, Violet, and she just turned a year old, so we're in a really fun time of life right now with a child getting into everything, (laughs) sticking her hand in the toilet when I leave her for five seconds, that type of thing, so I'm always, you know, busy just looking after her, doing the daily things that a mom has to do, but I really love being a mom and just this season of my life. 
Yeah, I cannot believe that she is already a year old. That year went by so fast. It's a very bittersweet feeling. Yeah, she's beautiful, though. Well, thank you. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about um, Proverbs Girl in a Barbie World. So we're going to be talking about being a... About the role that we have as women in the um, the Christian world, in the Christian walk, living in this world. Um, right now, we are hearing all about Barbie. That new movie came out, and it's had a lot of popularity in the recent months. Um, we're not actually going to be giving any like personal opinions about this movie in general. I don't know if anybody's seen it um, in this group. But um, we're going to be talking about um, the world's agenda to kind of control the way that our role as a woman is perceived. Um, And then we'll briefly talk about um, the way the world perceives men's roles as well. But then we want to compare that to... um, the roles that we're in right now that we live and how we're different than that, what the Bible says about our roles. Um, let me go to our question. So, um, first of all, I want to know, I'll ask Miss Courtney this first. Um, growing up, what was the world's um, perspective on gender roles when you were growing up? I think it was, well, growing up, like my, my mom uh, stayed at home and my dad worked, he worked in radio and television and then he became a gospel preacher. Um, my mom, she did, she did work at times. She, uh, she worked um, at times when it was financially necessary for the family. I would say in terms of the society's view at that time, it was still fairly similar to what it is now. I think now there's even a greater push though for uh, there's a, there's a message that women can only be truly fulfilled by, by having a career outside the home is, is what is heard so frequently. And, uh, and I really, you know, looking back over my own childhood, I mean, I'm, I'm 51 years old, but, but looking back over my childhood, I'm really appreciative of of my mom because I feel like she made a lot of sacrifices. She, she, she went to work outside the home when she had to, um, and at those times, they there were time, they were times that she truly had to. Um, and I know there are situations like what you and Caitlin are in, Megan, where you have to work at this point in time, um, even though you have children at home. And and there are situations that are like that. Um, but I do also appreciate the fact that my mom, there were times when, when, when things were better financially and she didn't need to work anymore, but she could have because she was really good at what she did. And she was offered a lot of money to stay on at her, her job outside the home. And she said, no, it's, it's too important for me to be at home. That's my first priority. And so I really feel like, uh, I appreciate that so much and what it meant for my childhood. And that was the philosophy I went into in raising my own children is that, um, you know, my top priority is, is my husband and my children and, uh, is getting them all that I can. And if, if at times it's necessary 
for me to work outside the home, then I will do that if I have to. Um, but even if I have to, that'll never be my top priority. And, and you know, I, I remember when I was a, uh, a young mom, the first time around with my, when my grown children were small, and uh, I had a neighbor, and she said, well, I'm going to go back to work. Um, but it wasn't because they needed the money to pay the bills. It was because she said, we want to be able to do more fun things. We want to go to Disney World, and we want to be able to eat out, and we want to be able to do this or that. And I remember her, her small child just cried and said, I don't want those things. I want you. And so I, um, I think there is a push, there has been for decades, obviously, now, for that women need to be outside the home to be truly fulfilled. But God is the one who created us, and he knows what will truly make us happy. And we're truly happy when we're fulfilling the role God has given us, and that is putting our homes and our families first, even if that means we sometimes do have to work outside the home also. Right. And I think a good point about something you said was um, women who work to be fulfilled, when in reality, we shouldn't be looking to work to fulfill us. We shouldn't be looking to anything to fulfill us outside of God. Right. Honestly, he is the one um, thing. We shouldn't even look to our family or relationships to fulfill us. God is the one that does that. So um, that's a really good point. Um, so Lydia, what about you from a young perspective? I say young because I'm 30. <laughs> so you're still young. Um, from a young perspective, you don't have... Um, like a family right now, but you're you're busy. You own a business. I know you have. You speak a lot. Um, you're really involved in Bible studies, and you know. So, from your perspective, what do you feel like your role is right now in the church? That's so good. I. Um, it's funny because being younger, I think growing up, it was one of those things of like. I had always dreamed of, oh, yeah, well, when I turn 19, like, maybe I'll be in a relationship. I'll be married by 21. Like, that was kind of what I viewed, how I viewed my life panning out. Um, and um, I remember it was, like, just a huge push for college. Like, go, get, you know, get that career, go to college, get that degree, um, work, work, work all the time. Uh, family, you know, it's kind of like, oh, well, families are something that can come later down the road. Because people my age, there are some that you know, are 20 and married and they have families. But for the most part, I have a lot of friends who are in their 30s and early 30s who are not married. And so I think for me, it was like, okay, like realizing this is where, this is the season that God has me in right now and viewing it as a gift and as a blessing and not so much like, yes, longing for what's to come, um, but also realizing like, regardless of if I get married and have a family, I can still be a Proverbs girl in a Barbie world like that's still something that I can do it just looks different uh, and so for me it's been realizing that God has laid out a pattern for biblical womanhood and what that looks like and I can still live that out in my life and in my season of singleness it just looks different um, and so in the church it's been it's looked like being able to mentor younger girls and those girls that one day you know when I was younger I looked up to the older girls and now I'm one of those people um, and really using my time to pour into them and to be that example that they are, they're already looking up to me, whether I want to, you know, I choose to believe that or not. And so really just taking advantage of that time I have with them. Um, but then also just 
in having Bible studies and getting to go and speak and take the opportunities as they come. I remember, I think it was Cindy Colley. She had told me a long time ago, she's like, you always say yes to things that involve the Lord and his church. Like anything that has to do with the kingdom, you say yes, like I'm there. Unless you actually can't or, you know, she's like, but always say yes. And so I've just tried to keep that mentality of, okay, well, whatever comes my way, then, you know, speaking of polish in the pulpit or, hey, this mere truth thing, like, yes, those are things that I'm doing now. Um, but it's not something, you know, I'm like, ultimately, I'm going to live fully here in this season while also looking forward with um, anticipation and excitement of, you know, the future seasons to come. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I love the way you put that it's a season because no matter where we are right now in our lives, as Christian women, it's just a season. It's going to pass. You know, I feel like it was just yesterday. I was in that singleness season. Um, I chose to move overseas and work at a school for um, about a year or so. But then when I came back, I got married and season changed. And that's not something that I can do now in the season I am. That's just not practical or possible. Um, but right now, Lindsay, you are in kind of transitioning into this new season of momhood. What does, I know it's different when your child comes in. I feel like as a woman, your role changes a lot really quickly. So what for you has your season, um, or what has your, how has your role changed and what does your role look like now compared to how what it used to be? So that's a good question. I think for me, the thing that has been the most different has been just finding my new purpose and learning to be very content and feel fulfilled in that purpose. Because, you know, before I had Violet, I would work full time. And I used to work at a job where I was actually the manager for a while. So I was always busy with work. That was my focus. You know, we were able to you know, just focus on saving money. And um, it was a nine to five type job, Monday through Friday. And I felt like a very key component of my work there being the manager and stuff. So I did find fulfillment. I loved, you know, I went to culinary school. So I found a lot of fulfillment in that job. Um, I knew, you know, that eventually having a family and of my own was my ultimate goal. But in that season of life, I did feel very fulfilled. After having Violet, that changed because I am a stay-at-home mom to, you know, just where my days look like just quiet days at home with a baby. And sometimes it can feel kind of like you're just in a rut or kind of what am I doing with myself? Because when they're so, so little, I guess you don't even have someone to talk to sometimes. And so it can kind of feel just like I'm going to go crazy or what, you know, what's kind of my purpose at this age? I'm not able to like teach them. I'm not able to homeschool them. So kind of like just finding that, you know, feeling of I'm doing a lot, even when I'm just at home, you know, she's so little, but she's learning so much and just trying to be the best homemaker I can be and just be there with her. And just, you know, this is such a important time, even though she is just a baby right now, because she's forming so many ideas about, you know, the way a family should look and just about the world and about God. And so I'm able to, you know, just really teach her those things being here at home with her and at the same time for me just trying to realize that this is very purposeful and this is very important right now and although there may be a lot of moms who you know find fulfillment in other areas or say that's so boring that's so pointless why are you staying at home you're doing nothing I try to make my days very productive 
and just focus on the fact that, you know, this is, this is God's intent and this is such an important thing for me to be doing. So just try to find fulfillment in it. I love that. Um, I, I wish I could have switched and just stayed at home when I had kids because it's hard to, um, that's like, that's my dream job. (laughs) It's hard to, um, think that sometimes you have to miss some things, but ultimately, um, ultimately, oh, our job is to like make sure our home's being taken care of. Sometimes that means, um, that we'll have to go work to help pay the bills to take care of that home or buy the groceries for that home. And I think it's so awesome that you get to, you know, watch violets and, watch her grow, especially that first year of life. It goes so fast. <laughs> yes, it does. And it's something I try not to take for granted because I know that some moms don't get to stay at home every day like they want to. So I definitely don't want to take that for granted. Yeah, that's a really good per- like good attitude towards it. Um, so I don't know, did any of you guys kind of, and anyone feel free to jump in at this point, um, but come up with examples from scripture of different women and the roles that they took on as women of God. Well, Megan, I thought about Lois and Eunice, you know, the grandmother and mother of Timothy, because, you know, by our society's predominant philosophy, they would not have been viewed as um, successful women. Um, But, in God's eyes, they were the ultimate successes because they raised a godly young man who then went on to help many other people um, make it to heaven by through his evangelistic efforts. And so, again, I think it comes back to God's definition of success for a woman is just a far cry from society's definition of success for a woman. Um, you know, it, it gets back to the general principle, too, not just for men and women, but for, for people in general like Christ's example was that of being a servant and that's his greatness was in his service. And so we see that we're all told that that's how we find greatness in the Lord's kingdom is through humble service. Whereas, you know, the, the Barbie philosophy is, is all about glamor and attention and um, physical appearance and all of those things that are just, that are shallow and earthly um, and worldly compared to what God says is really important. I, say, I also thought about Mary. Um, Lois and Eunice are two of the ones that I always think of. It's like they, like Miss Courtney was saying, um, just they poured so much and gave their life um, in turn of knowing that who who they were pouring into was going to raise, you know, uh, Paul said over and over again, like they have given you so much to be able to now live a faithful life. Um, and it made me think of Mary as well because um, I remember in Matthew where it's talking about how Jesus was, you know, at 12 years old, was in the temple teaching, right? And he was like, oh, did you not know I should be about my father's business? And at the end, it says that he continued to grow in wisdom and knowledge. And I just can't help but think that Mary played such a huge part in that. Um, and also in her submission to Joseph as well. Um, and just being that godly example of a mother and also a wife. Yeah. And I always think about how you know, when I think of Mary and being a mom, um, I think of when she was watching her son on the cross and I could not 
I could not fathom the emotion. I know that Jesus died for me just as much as he died for her. Um, but I'm sure the way she looked up at him and his sacrifice just hit different because she was a mom, because um, she was the one that nursed him. She was the one that, you know, potty trained him and fed him and knew his, you know, his fears and, you know, tucked him in at night, like those kinds of things. Um, I think that in all of that, she was still a woman like we are and a mom, um, someone who, you know, before she was a mom, she was handpicked by God because of the life and the righteousness she had handpicked to be the mother of the son of God. That is just amazing. (laughs) So, um, any other women that stand out? I think one that comes to mind is the classic, like, you know, when you talk about good mothers, I think one of the ones that comes to my mind is Hannah, just because she, I can't imagine being Samuel and hearing what, you know, she went through, um, before he was born, you know, and her story, uh, just of having to be in a difficult season of life herself, where she not only just had to be childless for a long time, but was also provoked just relentlessly during that time. Um, And so that must have been very hard. But then once she finally got what she wanted and finally got, you know, the most beautiful gift ever, which is motherhood for a woman, she then lent him to the Lord. And I just think that selflessness and that just realization that, you know, she was giving him her son to do the greatest work ever was such a great example of what a mother should do for her children even today and just realize that like, you know, God kind of in a sense lends us our children and we need to lend them back to him, you know, in any way we can and just, you know, put first things first with our kids. And that's what she really did. So I think she's a great example of what a mother should be in contrast to mothers of today. She is a great person to look to. I cannot imagine (laughs) taking my, you know, very young child and giving him to this man, especially if you think about how Eli was as a dad, I would be nervous (laughs) about giving my son to someone like that and saying, like, here, I made a promise, I'm giving him to God, and just having the faith that it was going to work out and that he would be okay. That took a lot. Um, A trend I'm noticing in all of these women that we've talked about is the thought that their life, their walk, like, they always put God first, which meant they didn't live a life that was revolved around their wants and their needs. Um, I'm not saying that we should never look inward and take care of our needs. Um, However, the big things in their life, um, they it was like they understood that there was something more important than them. And I think this mindset that we have today or a lot of times and and I know is reflected in Hollywood in um the media is this idea that we need 
to, as women, look inward and do things for ourselves. Rely on ourselves for um, our goals in life. Rely on ourselves for the things we want. If we want it, we work for it and we get it. We um, And I think that's dangerous because as a woman, um, a Christian woman, I need to remember that I do rely on God. I can't do it by myself. I need to rely on someone. And that's my Heavenly Father. What It's it's really easy to lose perspective of what's truly important. Because there's so much coming at us in so many different ways. And we're supposed to be independent. We're supposed to be... Um, go-getters. And if we take that too far, then we're not truly depending on God. We're not truly relying on him. It's more about us. On that too, I've heard a lot of people say like, I can't pour from an empty cup. Like my cup needs to be full before I can actually give to other people. And I think out of that also comes this whole boss babe culture, which is very popular. Um, being in the workforce, still working full time, I hear it all the time of like, got to be that, you know, that girl boss, that boss babe. And the, the, the meanings behind it, I think, are just so damaging because they're, they're lies from culture, lies from the world that um, true success is found in achieving all of these things or in pouring into yourself, self-care, self-love, all this stuff. And it's like... When we're looking to the world to fulfill us, we're looking to things to fulfill us um, and looking outside of what God's design for biblical womanhood is, then it's like it's a disaster. And we I think we end up we end up turning up empty handed. Like we feel like we've been doing all these things. But then at the end of the day, it's like I have nothing. I have nothing left to give. But even though I've poured all these things into myself because it's such a selfish approach and really it's turning outwards and pouring into, um, you know, our husbands, our kids, uh, the people around us and choosing to say that I can pour from an empty cup because my God is the one who fills it. And if I'm spending time with him and spending time in his word and he's the one who's enriching my life, then I can also do that for other people. Like he gives me the strength that I need, kind of like you said earlier. That's beautiful. Yes, that's very much so. And I work full time in the workforce. That is a thing. Um, I'm a nurse, so, you know, it's, I don't work in a, you know, an environment with a lot of men around or anything. It's a lot of women um, who have to work as well. But I know that in other environments, when there are more men around, sometimes there's this idea of, I need to um, rise up as high as I can go kind of thing. Uh do what it takes so a lot of like emphasis on that it's not wrong to want to work hard you know we're instructed to do that um everything we do we do for the lord so we need to have good work ethics we need to um do everything we can however it can get so easily misconstrued in our heads if we think that because we're trying to do that, we become these workaholics that don't have time for God because I'm putting work first. Um, 
or we don't have time for our families because we're putting work first. That can easily become a distraction as women who are in the workforce. You know, and speaking about Barbie in contrast to the Proverbs 31 woman, I think it's interesting because what you were saying about how, you know, women basically lose their God-given role very easily in today's society. I think it's interesting to think how the invention of Barbie really played into that. Um, Because when I was doing a little bit of research for it, um, I don't know if you guys know much about the background because I didn't, but um, Barbie, you know, was made by Ruth Handler. Um, and she actually came up with the idea of Barbie because she noticed, if I'm getting it right, that there weren't many dolls during the 1950s that weren't like baby dolls. And she wanted her little girl to have some type of a doll that would allow um, her to play in a different way. Not just, she didn't want just her children to play with, you know, babies and have to play like the mother role. She wanted to create a doll that inspired little little girls to think that they could grow up and be anything they wanted to be. So I think that's where kind of like the whole career for women and maybe the feministic stuff started coming out. Um, And so with that being the predominant mindset, I think that a lot of, you know, worldly women have today, I think that's what has made it so difficult for us to keep, you can't really do both. You can't be Um, a career woman who gives her life to that and does anything she wants to do, lets nothing stop her, and also give herself fully to her home, her husband, her children. You just can't do it it all. And so I think that it's interesting that, you know, with the invention of Barbie came this really big push for women to leave their God-given role and kind of test their limits and say, you know, I can do anything you know, watch me, watch me, what, what, what can I do? Um, see how far I can go. And it's like, that's not the point. You know, God already gave you the most important role ever. But if you don't see how fulfilling it is and go off and do something else, then you, you really are going to mess up your families for it. So I just think that was interesting. Yeah, it is really interesting. Um, so I did try to watch some of that Barbie movie. <laughs> I fell asleep, though. It's very boring. And the very first scene of these little girls um, shattering baby dolls. And it it was kind of, right now, my daughter is in the baby doll phase. Like, baby dolls are her thing. So, it kind of broke my heart to see these girls. And I, I know you grow up and, you know, you baby dolls aren't as fun as they used to be. But knowing how much my daughter loves them, it was a little horrifying. (laughs) to see that you know Megan, it's interesting too because i i had done a little research too about barbie and you know the barbie doll um was based on a german doll um because you know before barbie there were no no in in our country at least there were no dolls that were um made to look like adult women and uh but the what I thought was so interesting is um, Mattel, Ruth Handler that Lindsay mentioned, who was the co-founder of Mattel, they bought the rights to this German doll. And so Barbie, they said only the creators of the dolls could distinguish the, the, the original Barbie from this German doll that was like basically the prototype for Barbie. But what I thought was so interesting is that this German doll was not a toy for children. It was, it was a risque gag gift for men that was sold in tobacco shops uh you know it was it was not a toy it was a it was a um 
like an adult novelty sort of toy, I guess you would say. And so, um, you know, I, re- I really think that that's just, it's amazing to me that, and I also read too that the toy companies, the major toy companies rejected it initially because of the, the, um, the sexual nature of it being, you know, anatomically correct and just, and the, the, the way Barbie dressed that, that very first Barbie was in a uh, strapless bathing suit with high heels and earrings and, you know, which is the German doll was, was also. And so from the very beginning, it was an, an immodest sexual kind of um, image that this, that this doll had. And it's sad to me that our, our society has, you know, kind of become so desensitized that we think, oh, it's just a little doll. Um, but, but it represents a, a lot more. And like Lindsay said, Ruth Handler said she wanted her, her daughters to know they didn't have to be just mothers or just caregivers. And that's, that's the root of the world's philosophy. You know, I think about first Timothy five ten, you know, where, where we read about, you know, the discussion there is about widows, but, but when it's discussed there about, you know, if a widow has spent her life doing good works, which shows us what, what God says a life for a woman spent doing good works is full of. And the things that are mentioned are if she has brought up children, if she has lodged strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has uh, relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. You know, we've got astronaut Barbie and dentist Barbie and all, you know, transgender Barbie now they have, you know, and all of these things that where people have tried to find fulfillment by, by doing what they thought is best. But God's word makes it clear that true fulfillment and happiness comes from, from being a servant. I think on that too, um, I have recently just finished a study on Titus chapter two and how the older women are to teach the younger women. And um, it, I think it's interesting that in Titus two, it says older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, but then it says, and so train the young women to, first off, the first thing that's listed is to love their husbands and children. And I think it's so interesting that that's the first thing that's listed. And um, in this study, it was like the point that was being made was, you know, God would not tell the older women to teach the younger women if there were not a natural desire to do the opposite. Like it has to be trained. It's something that we have to train our minds to do and discipline our hearts to be in you know, alignment with God's heart and his will. Um, and, you know, finding our fulfillment in those things. But I just, I just thought it was funny how that was, you know, the first thing that, you know, God said, teach, teach the younger women to love their husbands and their children well. And, um, you know, the Barbie culture is so career driven. So like, and that's everything. It's like, Hey, you don't have to be a wife and a mom. Like that doesn't have to be everything. Um, I played with baby dolls when I was younger. I actually didn't have Barbie dolls. Wasn't allowed to have them. And, um, it was just kind of like this whole emphasis placed on you can be anything you want to be, just not a wife and mom. Like it was almost like you don't like that's it's like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Uh, well, I just want to be a wife and a mom. What? Like that's that's crazy where all these other girls are like, I want to be a dentist or a nurse. And there's nothing inherently wrong with those things. But when that like becomes when being a wife and a mother becomes something that's like seen as a bad thing or something that you like, that's so silly. Like, why would that be your goal? And it's like, well, that's that's literally God's design for women. Like, we're, you know, we are, we are the foundation of the home in a sense, you know, God, God created the home to be that way. And, um, you know, if, if the wife and the mother is doing her job well, and we're, you know, walking in according, you know, in accordance with his will, then 
the home is going to run smoothly and the husband's going to feel loved. The children are going to feel loved. Um, the husband's going to be respected and it's just all going to flow from there, which then creates this solid foundation for society, which we're seeing a lack of in today's world because there's not that stability at home. There's not mothers who love their children and their husbands. Like the, the divorce rate is so high. Um, and I know a lot of singles personally who are very like skeptical of even getting married and having a family because of the divorce rate. And so I just think it's so interesting how one small thing so long ago that was seen as a good idea for, you know, giving girls another option of like, well, if we don't want baby dolls, you can have this, has now led into this world and this society um, where women are seen as equal with men and can do anything a man can do. When in reality, God never designed women for that. Like we were designed very with very different roles and it's a beautiful thing. And it's something that I think um, a lot of women just don't embrace anymore because society is so loud and the lies are just so loud. That's very true. The lies are really loud. Um, I am amazed. I didn't know the background about the German dolls and the um, the fact that those were dolls were designed for men. That's completely disgusting. And the fact that now something that was like predatory in nature. It, it feels predatory in nature to take something like that and try to give it to young girls and say, this is who you need to be. This is what you need to be. Because that's just, I feel like it's grooming them to, um, I don't know. That's just, it's terrible. And the lie that's being said is that we're doing it for ourselves. Women are, we have to empower ourselves for ourselves. Um, it's just, it is, it's such a big lie told by the world. And so many women are buying it. I think it's so sad too, because, you know, talking about our God-given roles, it's just so sweet. I've witnessed with my own daughter how natural it is for her to want to be a mom. You know, you talked about your little girl loving baby dolls and it's the same with, you know, my little girl. She is just now a year old and she already has, you know, her little baby doll that she will, you know, if I point out, where's your baby doll? She'll go grab it. And she just instinctively sometimes without me even saying, will bring it to her chest and hug it. And then I'll, you know, see, I'll say, give your baby a kiss. And she'll just, Mwah! and she loves it. It's just a natural instinct. And I remember, you know, when I was little, we just loved, me and my sisters, we just loved playing, you know, baby dolls and mother. We used to play for whatever reason. The, the mother's name was Miriam. So we would take on the role and we would say, let's play Miriam. And so one of us was the mother um, and we would have... Um, I don't remember what the other mother's names were, but I think we all three were mothers and would, you know, have our little baby dolls. And we just loved playing that. I think it's so natural because God just innately created us with those desires to be mothers and nurture children. Um, and we find so much natural fulfillment in that. That's, that's why you see it with little babies even. So I just think it's so sad that now the world is saying, that's not enough. And here's what you need to do to make you really, uh, you know, a an accomplished woman. Here's what you need to do. And like I said, it's just horrible because now our, our children and our families are suffering for it. And that's just so obvious in the world we live in. And I wanted to add to um, your and Lydia's point about, <clears throat> sorry, I haven't used my voice in a minute, um, but um, 
the the instinctual nature of being a mom and stuff like that the amount of women that i've talked to like in various jobs that i've worked um even at a daycare um they there's a lot of women out there that are just like i could never be a mother i'm too selfish for that and i'm like why don't we just like unpack that like if you're too selfish to be a mom how are you gonna be selfless enough to be a good member of society you know like I don't know, like, the the self-centeredness of this age, don't know where it's coming from, definitely not God, but it's just, like, I, I could never do that because I just, I like my time to myself too much. Like, I like my time to myself too, but <laughs> this girl's pretty cool too. <laughs> I'll add too, coming from someone who isn't married and doesn't have a family, um, but is that's like a desire that I have one day, hopefully. Um, I think it's been it's been really interesting being in in the workforce and hearing, you know, um, it's like, oh, well, what's your plan for five, 10 years? Like, where do you see yourself in five or 10 years? And the moment it's like, well, I don't see myself here, hopefully. Like maybe like if that's, you know, if that's what's in God's plans, then that's fine. And I'll, I'm, you know, I'll live fully in that. But um, just working with so many moms who are so ready. Like there was one who I had just overheard in conversation who had just gotten off of maternity leave and came back. And she's like, I wish I could have just come back within a week. Like I was so, I was just so ready to be done. Like I just, the baby just takes too much effort for me. And it just hurt my heart so much to be like, I, I just don't, I don't understand how, you know, like having to work and needing that, especially if you have to work full time, but to just not want your child, like, why did, you know, it just, it just seems so foreign to me that that's like a, it's just something that people now do and have, but it's not actually like, it's not something that they're like, I'm willing to just be selfless and, you know, fully pour into my family. Um, and that's been interesting to observe from a singles, like, point of view of just like, I just don't understand, something that I just don't understand. And um, yeah. Yeah, I I hear that too. And I think it's um it's really crazy how there are some people who work because they want to get out of the house. They work because they want something more. They feel like they're missing something in their life and work's going to fulfill it. There's a big difference between doing that and working because you have to um, provide for your family. You have to um, help take care. And even if you are still working you're still expected to um make your house a home to make sure things are being done there that your kids are you know raised you know as um as christians and it's still our responsibility it's a lot of responsibility um but i think that a lot of people think oh because you have a career that's must be what you want the most because that's a lot of the attitude of women who work. They do it because they, they want an, an escape from home. Yeah, and from all of my mom friends and people that I know, they're like, um, doing this job nine to five every day of the week, way easier than being at home. That is a hard job. Like, and, and it's true. Like, I mean, I am not there. I was a nanny for eight years and that was, it was a very rewarding job and it was a very exhausting job because children bring so much joy and yeah it is a lot of work but I think a lot of moms too it's like 
oh, being at home requires a lot more work than being at my nine to five. Um, it's, it requires a different level of energy. And um, yeah, that's so true. You know, and too, I feel like it's, I've read, I remember um, what Caitlin said made me think, I read a book um, by a, a woman who's a psychiatrist, but she's, a, she's not a, a Christian, but she, she wrote a book entitled The Selfish Society. And she basically, and this again is coming from a non-Christian's perspective, but, but another, it's interesting to me how when we, when we deviate from God's plan, eventually even sociologists and scientists who, who aren't looking at things from a spiritual perspective or from a biblical perspective, even after enough time passes, they will acknowledge this is not working. You know, this is not, this is not a, this is not, um, uh, bettering society, you know, and, and that's what they're seeing. And it's this, this Dr. Sue Gerhardt in her book, she, she even made the point that, you know, we're starting to see more and more individuals in our society, kind of like Caitlin mentioned, that are not um, compassionate people, that are, that are selfish people who don't, who like empathy for others. And, and she pointed out that some of those kind of antisocial traits, you know, can manifest themselves not just in in criminals, you know, who are antisocial to to that to that degree, but just in you know in in professional people, bankers, doctors, whatever people who aren't compassionate because they didn't have that nurturing, committed kind of love um, from a mom when they were young themselves, and it's, so it, it's a, like a cycle that perpetuates itself, and it. And it is just so sad because because it, it does create that vicious cycle. But but you know, in reading two books, even by um, some people in the world, you see that women, when they get to be my age and they're near the end of their careers, they have a, a kind of a rude awakening. But it's too late where they realize this did not fulfill me. If I could go back, I would focus on my home and family. And again, that's people even just strictly from from a, a non-spiritual perspective, but, but it just shows us that, that our creator knows what's best for us and what will make us happy. And if we'll just do what he says, not, not what we think or what society tells us that, that everything will work out so much better. Right. Just like Philippians two, um, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, he, so he took a, he humbled himself, took a role that was submissive. He chose to um, take this servant role to be there. And, and we are forever indebted and we can never pay that debt, but like we are forever indebted and thankful for what he did. And we, as women, we are called to um, take a submissive role, to take a servant role and, it can, it's going to look different for each one of us. You know, we're all in different seasons and our roles look a little different. However, it didn't make Jesus um, less, less than because he took that on. Um, in fact, he is more to be admired for what he did, for his obedience to the point of death on a cross. As women, we have the blessing of this opportunity to also um, think of others 
more than ourselves, to have this servant mentality, to have this submissive mentality, not because we're less than, um, we're not less than kind of humans, not at all. Um, but we are, um, women, we are choosing to, um, embrace this role that God gave us in different seasons, whether we're married, whether we're single, whether we're single parents. Um, it, it, we, God designed a beautiful, um, role for us. If we live that, our lives will be as beautiful as they can be, not without their challenges. Um, but I think that a lot of people think that the, the role that God designed for us is a less than role. Um, that we're not empowered women, that we're not, um, we're not going to be fulfilled women. It's going to, bring us down to take on this thing. But actually, none of us would say that about Jesus, would we? None of us would say that um, because he chose to come to this earth, be a servant, um, be obedient, and die, that he was less than. So we shouldn't let, um, we shouldn't let people talk about our roles that way either. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think when I think about the Proverbs 31 woman, we haven't talked a whole lot specifically about the Proverbs 31 woman um, in the actual chapter. But I think it's so interesting because I have it open here in my Bible. And uh, in Proverbs 31, in verse uh, in verse 27, it says, She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. So I think it just goes to show that if you're doing the proper job, being the wife and mother that you're supposed to be, um, you are so busy taking proper care of your family that there's never a moment to basically rest. Like you're always busy. And that's what this whole chapter is all about is she's not just a mom who may stay at home, but you know, she lets her kids run around while she binge watches her favorite Netflix show. That's not what this looks like. This is a mom who is so busy, you know, just doing all kinds of good works. It talks about, you know, what she does for others as well. She's not only just looking out for her own children, but she's being a mother to all in a sense. And, you know, how her husband is so proud of her. He just respects her so much and she him. And then it talks about in the very next verse, like I said, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. And I just think it just goes to show when you do the best job you can in your God-given role, there's just no greater reward than that. And God gives us those roles because he knows they are so fulfilling. And if you do them properly, there's nothing that beats it. You know, that's going to be your biggest sense of fulfillment. And, you know, it's just, it's such a blessing. You're, you're giving this to your children. Like, you know, my mom was saying, you can see the outcome of the reverse when you're not the right mom. Um, look at what your kids suffer as a result and the kind of people they are in society. On the flip side, when you do exactly what God says and you are that you know, perfect role model of a mother, as perfect as you can be, that is, um, then your children are going to, you know, really just respect that in you and have such a wonderful example to then try and emulate. And they're going to have a lot better chance of being su- successful people themselves. I like that. Let's jump into the Proverbs and kind of focus in on 
the Proverbs woman. Um, this is a beautiful chapter. Um, it starts really in verse 10 and goes through the rest of the chapter. But I wonder, I we don't know if this was just a something written with a certain woman in mind. I imagine that it is. I imagine that whoever wrote this was thinking of someone, whether it was his mother, his own wife, um, you know, who um, lived this way, who who embodied all of these. Um, this was not a day in the life of chapter. This isn't a, let's look at, you know, this one day that is Proverbs 31 woman. No, this was um, probably everything she did in a month, a year, you know, throughout her lifetime. And yet we, just like Lindsay said, this is not a lazy, idle person. Um, this is someone who looked after others. She looked after her household. She looked after the needy. Um, she provided for her household. She was a very industrious woman. She was a very benevolent woman. We see that she was, um, she worked on making clothes, making sure her house was fed, was clothed. Um, her character brought respect to her husband. Um, she, we, um, there's just so many attributes of this woman that honestly we could just spend a whole series talking about just her. But do any of you guys have anything else y'all want to point out about this woman in chapter 31? One of the things that I had written down in preparation for this uh, discussion was Proverbs 31 and then verses, I guess, starting in verse 11 and then going through verse 12. But the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. And I love that because I think, Megan, like you said, it speaks into that respect, which is a huge part of um, just men in general. Like men desire respect. Women desire love. Men desire respect. And that's just, you know, God made us each that way. Uh, but I think when we look at culture and we look at society, um, even from what I've heard about the Barbie movie, there seems to be this this huge lack of respect uh, for men and making them out to look like, you know, they are kind of belittling them below women and uh, making women the ones on this pedestal, bringing men down and uh, treating them like, you know, like the toxic, toxic masculinity is a word that's now going around and masculinity is not toxic. Um, and so I, when I read these verses, I think, wow, like he clearly loved her and he trusted in her, which means that she was giving him respect and she was loving him and treating him well. And I think that that just goes to show that uh, that also is a huge, huge part of being a Proverbs girl in a Barbie world is treating men with the respect that we should. And, you know, that submission is seen as such a bad thing. Um, but even us, you know, single women, we have a, you know, we're called to also respect men and we might not have husbands, we might not have families to care for, um, but that can start by just being respectful to all the men in our lives and treating them, um, the way that God would have us to treat them.
Yeah, that's a good point. And honestly, if we don't respect the other men in our lives, how are we going to respect our husband? Um, if we can't show respect to anyone else. I was thinking, Megan, too, in verses 30 and 31, you know, especially in verse 30, when you read charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. To me, that seems like just the complete opposite of the Barbie image, because it's all about beauty and charm. You know, um, I didn't see the movie either. I read the plugged in review of it. And one part I remember reading on the review said that, you know, Barbie was all upset because she had has had some cellulite, you know, it's just all such shallow, you know, um, concerns and it's, you know, about physical beauty and, and, and the Bible clearly says, um, you know, that's not what we're to be praised for at all. Um, you know, and one thing I was, I was thinking too, you know, um, I think this is just a practical suggestion, but I feel like it's really important. I know, you know, um, as I, this is my second time to raise a young child and, and I, having raised older children who are now adults, I feel like I can look back and realize, wow, it was worth it. Everything that I had to do, um, all the sacrifices that we made. I mean, we were really tight financially. Sometimes there were lots of sacrifices we had to make for me to, to be able to, to be at home as much as I could. And I did work sometimes, but but it, it's just completely worth it. But but now I sometimes am discouraged when I'll hear um, Christians talking to young girls or to young women, and 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 maybe something is said about oh so and so is going to law school or somebody so and so is going to uh, medical school, and and the reaction will be oh wow really oh wow you know, and I think if we're not careful, we're communicating completely the wrong messages to our young girls and our young women because. That's the world, the world's view coming out in our reaction. Because to me, I, I, I cannot stand to hear a, a young girl or a young woman say, I just want to be a mom. Take the just out. I want to be a mom. Wonderful, sweetie. That's the best thing you could choose to be. Be a, wife, a Christian wife and be a Christian mother. And I think we really need to be careful that we encourage our young women um, and our young girls from the time they're very little that 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 is what God made you to be. And that there's, there's no greater aspiration than to, than to be just that. Right. And honestly, like, even if you have to do any jobs or do anything on the side to make money, like ultimately you're, you first are a wife and a mom, you know, those other things just kind of, you do, um, because you have to, and you can find something that you enjoy to do, but you are a wife, a mom, a Christian. Um, even if you're not a wife and a mom yet, you are a Christian. We always say that you are, no matter what else you do, that is your, your, your main thing in life. And once you become a wife and a mom, it's kind of the same thing. No matter what else you do, that comes first. Yeah, I think another thing that's interesting in reading the Proverbs 31 chapter is that it does indicate that the Proverbs 31 woman did, you know, some work outside of just, you know, taking care of her babies all day long. So she was industrious in the sense that, you know, she um, 
I don't know how you want to put it. Maybe she was very thrifty. She was good with her money. Um, but in verse 16, it says she considers a field and buys it from her profits. She plants a vineyard. And then in verse 17, she girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. So it's indicating that she's doing something for her family to maybe help with income, which is fine. That's very needed sometimes. I mean, you know, growing up, that was the case with our family sometimes. Um, but, you know, mom, she always made sure that if she had to substitute teach or do anything you know, outside of her role as a mom, that it didn't take precedence over that. And that she always still made sure that she put first things first. And it was only for as brief of a period as it needed to be. And so, but I think that's interesting that, you know, even the Proverbs 31 woman, she does um, contribute to having to help with income maybe for her family. But it's so obvious that it revolves around being able to help her family. It's not about because she needs fulfillment or she can't stand being at home anymore. So I'm going to go, you know, find a job. It was not about that. Right. Think of it from a kid's perspective. I mean, growing up, can you imagine if you knew that your mom worked um, not because she wanted to help provide food for me, not because um, we needed to have enough money for clothes, but because she wanted to get away from me? Because she couldn't stand being with me all day, every day. Like, can you imagine how that would feel as a child to feel that, to hear that in passing or to feel that, that I just need to get away from you? I'm not saying that moms don't need a break, but I would never want my kids to ever feel that I had to um, choose something else to get away from them, that something else needed my time more than they did. That would just, just from a kid's like perspective, how heartbreaking would that be? Yeah, the amount of coworkers that I've had over the years that just complain about their kids. I'm like, it's really not. They're just living life for the first time. They're just, they're just being kids. Like, why wouldn't you want to be with them and teach them how to be? Right. Yeah, I've witnessed that myself working in, um, you know, the hospital setting as well. I don't do nursing, but I do more secretary type work in the hospital now, and it's just so sad because. Oftentimes where I sit at my desk, um, I'm surrounded by the doctors. I work in the emergency department, and sometimes I'll just hear their conversations that they're having. And um, most of them are male doctors, but it's interesting from even the dad's perspective. You can see what's, what's so sad and what's happening in families is that even dads, dads and moms, really don't want to uh, fulfill their God-given roles, and the kids suffer for it. And oftentimes I think the kids being neglected it can come out as almost um, bad behavior or um, them not listening to their parents. And so you'll hear the parents griping about that. My kids don't listen to me. My kid won't just chill out. You know, I've, one of the doctors was saying, you know, I, I get home and my sons, they just don't want to listen to me. They just scream. And he said, I end up getting so mad. I just scream back at them and I don't even know what to do. Um, it's just very annoying. He said, it's like, dude, I've been at work all day. Why can't you just chill out and take a bath? 
Um, and I just remember hearing that and thinking, that's so sad because it's likely that those little boys, their dad being a doctor and that being where he is most of the time is at work. Um, it's probably a cry for attention and for, you know, that relationship that they're wanting with him. And kids don't know how to express it. You know, they're not able to put into words, I need this from you. You're not, you know, giving me all that I need. So it's going to come out in sometimes those ways. And I just think it's so, so sad that because, you know, dads can do it too. They can put, you know, career that is, you know, they do have to work outside the home. But dads and moms both can just really shirk their responsibility and the kids are going to suffer. And then a lot of times you see parents just irritated with their kids for it when really their kids would probably be so much easier if they they themselves were being fulfilled little children. So it's very sad. I find it more often it's been in uh, workforces that, I mean, it happens in every workforce, but a lot of the workforces that I've been in that the majority of them have been like healthcare or any kind of caregiving role. They really just whine and complain about their families and their kids. And it's like, you have all this compassion for people that you don't even know. So why aren't you extending it at home? Yeah. I think it's a lot of people um, are able to be kinder to strangers, to kinder to people they have never met than they are at home. It's easier to just kind of be, to let yourself go, to let your emotions out, let them run rampant when you're in a comfortable s- spot, in a comfortable situation. But if we let all these other sh- people see the best in us, our family deserves that. Like that is what they deserve. And thanks for stepping on my toes, Caitlin, because that's, it's hard. It's hard to do. Okay. Thank you ladies so much for joining us, for taking time to talk to us about all of this. Um, I really loved having this conversation and discussion. And I really hope that all the ladies who are listening, um, feel the same way and have learned or maybe gained a different perspective. If you have any questions or comments about what was said, please feel free to reach out to us um, through our Facebook page. Email us at when the picture isn't perfect at gmail.com or reach out to us on Facebook um, and let us know if you have any questions or want to discuss anything that was said further. Um, Lydia, Miss Courtney, Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us and um, taking your time. We really appreciate it.